but uh, we got three of them there. So let's stand to our feet as we have our call to worship for <coughs> January. <coughs> Excuse me. Amen. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. This is for January. It says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. How many of you know that you could get stuck in your past and miss God's future for you? Amen. We have to, don't forget, that. don't live in the past. Forget those things. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. You do not perceive it, but I am making a way. Because there may not be a way. You may not see the way yet. He says, but I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in, and streams and in the wasteland. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer as we get started this morning. Father, we just come to you right now. And I turn this service completely over to you right now. Father, we come to worship you this morning, Father God. And I just pray that your spirit would move freely in this place, Father God. I just ask that you have your way, Father. Lord, your anointing to touch each and every person uh, here today, Father, that every blind eye be open, every deaf ear be open, every mind be able to conceive the things of you, Father, and prepare each and every one of our hearts for your word to be planted in it, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, pray and everyone says, Amen, amen. Let's put our hands together and worship the Lord. Amen. We serve a good, good Father today. Amen. I've seen a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleasing that I'm Sing it with me. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, and I see Searching for answers for everyone, but I know that we're all searching for answers. Only you provide because you know just what we need before we
can hardly speak a peace so unexplainable. I, I can hardly think as you call me deeper still and you call. Worthy of it. 
Yeah.
going to make a way. Because he is the way maker. He is the promise keeper. He is my God. He is my God. That is who you are today, Jesus. It's who you are. It's just who you are. It's never going to change. You're never going to change who you are, Jesus. You'll remain constant. You'll remain steady. You'll remain faithful, Jesus. Oh, come on. Some of you need to get that. Some of you need to get it today. It's just who he is. It's just who he is. He's the way maker. He's never going to change. He is Jesus. He is Jesus, the Messiah, the one who is and is to come. And he's never, he's never going to change. He's never going to change. His promises are yes and amen. Shoot it, I love it. 
everybody was standing where you thought there was no nowhere in sight that you could see I am God and I am making a way I am making all crooked places smooth and straight I am making a way today there wasn't a way but today's the day I am making a way for you Today is the day I am making a way today. Because I am God and I can do anything. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it seems like. I am God. I am the promise keeper. I am the way maker. And I can do anything. Just lean on me. Step into my arms today. Let me hold you. Just trust me. Just trust me. When I say I'm making a way, I'm not a man that I should lie. But I am making a way today.
Miss our uh, children, three, four, and five, their classes. Um, if you would, if you have your Bible, you could take it out. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Who has your Bible? Let's see. Who's got your word with you today? Amen. Amen. Come on. Let's see it. Let's see it. We need more than that. Come on. Never leave home without your spiritual ammunition. Amen. I know uh, some of we, some of you. Use your cell phones and things like that. But how many of you know that if I say we need to circle this in your Bible, it's kind of hard to circle it on that cell phone, right? I, we want to carry that word with, with us, amen? And so what I want you to do is take out your Bible and open it to the book of John, chapter 10, and because there's, there's something I want you to circle in there that uh, I'm going to have on the screen in a few minutes, but um, uh, I don't have it in your notes, amen? <laughs> It, it always happens to me. I think uh, I'm not going to add anything else in the notes, and I always end up adding something else. And uh, So let's just get started. This morning we're, we're uh, going to... Lord gave me a message called Experience the Cross, and that's what I just want to share with you this morning. So let's begin in prayer as we get started. Father, I just come to you today. And Father, we humble ourselves, Father God. And we ask that you have your way in this place, Father. Father, I just pray that every deaf ear be open to the truth today. Every blind eye be open to your spiritual truths today. That our minds be able to comprehend and understand your spiritual truths today. But most of all, touch our hearts and soften our hearts, Father God. That we can receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. Well, you got John chapter 10 yet? Amen. Let me just 
preference this uh, before we get started that when I, if, I, if you notice me looking at the clock every once in a while, I want to tell you why. <laughs> uh, and sometimes I say I'm running out of time. It's not this far that we're running out of time in here, but we do record our messages every Sunday morning where you could, on a CD where you could take it and bring it to someone that may not go to church or that may, may be missing. So how many of you know that a CD you only could record, is it 70, 80, whatever minutes it is? And what happens is we, I do want to have the worship on those CDs to bring people. Amen. You know, I think that's an important part is the worship in the word that they can have. How many of you get the CDs and listen to the worship? Amen. The I'm, I'm, reason I'm saying that, I'm laughing because my Aunt Audrey, uh, uh, when it was around Christmas, when we had the Christmas service, they had the Christmas music. Then later that week, she told me, boy, I hope Aliska could still sing on Sunday. She said, because she's been singing 24 hours a day, seven days a week by her house. She might be hoarse by the time <laughs> Sunday comes around. <laughs> so when I say looking at time, I realize that our CDs will close at about 15 after. That's where you, it starts that it may run out. And I would hate to have a salvation message or call missed on that, that you're giving somebody. So that's, I'm, I'm trying to fit everything on the CD right there. You know, it's, it's not that, um, it's that I want to get you home and we just want to leave. It's not like that. It's, it's uh, for those reasons. And thinking of those reasons, uh, things about uh, long-winded preachers and things like that, which I'm not. Uh, Brother Aaron told me I, I need to always begin with, I'm closing on this, because uh, when I say I close with this, it goes for a while. But y'all heard about uh, Pastor Boudreaux? Off bet. Well, he needed some new teeth. He needed to get him some false teeth. False teeth are dentures. Uh, uh, those that are watching online may not understand what false teeth is, what we call false teeth dentures here. So he finally got some, some dentures made, top and bottom. And the first time he comes up to preach on Sunday morning, after about five minutes, boy, his gums were hurting so bad he couldn't go no more. So he had to stop preaching after about five minutes. And boy, everybody come find him. Pastor Boudreau was wrong. He said, oh, my gums were killing me. He says, I couldn't go any longer. So, all right, the next week he comes up, and after about ten minutes he's speaking, he, he had to stop again. They come find him again. He said, what's wrong? What's wrong? He said, oh, my gums are killing me with these new false teeth of mine. Well, the next Sunday comes around, and boy, he starts, and he's gone. He started speaking quicker than he, uh, faster than he ever spoke before, going all over the place. He's not even staying on track. He's going all over, and about an hour passes, and he didn't even slow down. He didn't take a breath yet. And boy, the congregation, what's going on here? He said, that then two hours pass, and he's still going. Three hours pass, he's still going. Four hours pass, and he's still going 90 words a second. Until finally the sound man mutes them and the, they had to shut down the service and the, the people come up, what in the world got into you this morning? And he says, I don't know. He says, when I started talking, I just couldn't shut up. I just kept going and just coming out and coming out and coming out. And then he, see, he pulls out, he says, huh, may no one uh, accidentally put in my wife Marie's teeth. <laughs> I 
How you do that, brother? Let's erase that. <laughs> Amen. So that gave you plenty enough time to find your place in the Bible. <laughs> My message tonight is, this morning, is experiencing the cross. And when we say that, experiencing the cross, when we think of a cross a lot of times these days, is, you know, we have the cross here and it's got these nice lights on it and it's, it's a, a, aesthetically a pleasing to us. You know, and many people probably may be in here right now may have a cross, a nice gold chain with a cross, or probably at some time in your life you've had a cross, you know, and it, it, it looks good, it's nice, and all these things, but reality is, is that's what we've made it today. Back in Jesus' day, the cross was a horrific thing. Okay, when, when it was talked about the cross that you, somebody, Jesus was crucified in that time, it was meant, actually meant to be so horrific and to be done in public. When someone went to the cross, experienced the cross in their life, it was they were, they were hung on that cross in front of everyone in public on purpose to humiliate that person and to try and make other people say, you know what, I don't want to experience what that person's experiencing. The cross was the most horrific death you could face. And uh, I want, just want to share with you today, uh, again, we'll get into that scripture that Jesus did tell us that we are to take up our cross. And that's where I want to talk about today is that there's, I don't know what you want to call it, but that there's so many people who call themselves Christians that really never taken up their cross. And we need to take up our cross. And it, it, it's almost like, Christianity has become a watered-down version of what it's supposed to be. You hear me? Christianity has become a watered-down version of what God intended it to be and what Christ said it should be. Okay? And what, what do you mean by watered-down? It, it means it still has, it's still like it is, but it's not what it's supposed to be. Right? And, but you go to a restaurant, and um, especially if you get warm tea, you know, uh, fresh tea and they put ice in it, what happens? The ice melts and then it becomes watered down and it's, it's tea, but it's not what it's supposed to be. And, and that, that's what I'm kind of talking about here this morning is that uh, experiencing the cross that too many times Christians live a watered down life, not what it's supposed to be. And John 10.10 10 says this, <coughs> The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, there's that little space in between the eye and that little, I call it a chuchui. <laughs> he says, I have come, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, how many of you know that's a, a direct uh, difference in what's supposed to be. One saying life and life to the full, and the other one says to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, who are they referencing in this? Who, who is the enemy coming to steal, kill, and destroy from? You, from the believers. But who has Jesus come to give life? And notice this. He doesn't say just life, but life to the full. Now, that's to us. But And when it's saying to the full, it's not talking about earthly 
yachts and all these things, those things, but it's to walk in the fullness of Christ and the freedom of Christ in your life. And so we understand that we're caught in the middle of this thing that's going on. The devil is constantly attacking you, and God, is all, God has paid the price through Jesus Christ for your freedom. But how many of you know that so many people aren't walking in the freedom, aren't walking in the fullness that Christ has for them? And the, what I'm going to show you is, is uh, through his word, is the reason is because they have not taken up their cross. You see, when it's uh, speaking in the Bible, it says we died with Christ and buried with him, and we were also raised with him to walk in the newness that we have. But can I tell you, you can never walk in the resurrection of Christ if you don't die with the death of Christ. Hear me? There can be no resurrection unless there is first a death. So let's look back in the original uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, the original state of man. I want you to understand how God always had it for man to live in the full, always wanted freedom in this. And, and we're going back to the garden of Eden. And I, I love studying Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Uh, it, it's, it never ceases to amaze me. You always, always, God always shows something new every time you read it. And we realize that the Eden was a place, and it says in the east of Eden is where God placed the garden. Now, Eden actually translates delight, the garden of delight. God placed man in the garden of delight. It was perfect. He needed and lacked nothing. Okay, so <clears throat> let, let's look what it says here. Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east of Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord made, now notice this, all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Now notice these things, and I, I'm, I think I left them underlined on your page. Trees that were two things, pleasing to the eye and good for food. It says he made what? He says uh, the Lord made all kinds of trees, and those trees were pleasing to the eye and good for food. It was not just the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. This is what I want you to understand. It, it was all part of what he created. And those two things, it says, in the middle of the garden, now were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the, God had a river, verse 10, watering the garden uh, that flowed from Eden. From there it was separated into four headwaters. So we see that God created the place. God caused everything to grow. It was pleasing to the eye and good for food and all these things that God even watered it and took care of it. It was a place of delight. There was nothing else that, that they needed. Okay, and this was before, again, right now, before Eve was, was uh, created, but he had placed man, but let, let, we'll come back to that in a second here. So let's look at this next verse. <coughs> Then he said to them all, this is Jesus, he says, whoever wants to be my disciple, notice what's that next word, must deny themselves. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. And I think you need to 
focus on that part daily and follow me. So in other words, he's saying, if you want to be my disciple, you want to serve me and follow me, you need to deny yourself. And what he's talking about is the killing of your flesh. And, and this is what we're going to talk, be talking about this morning, is your flesh needs to go to the cross and die. And when I'm saying flesh, I'm not talking your physical body. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your, your desire to live independently from God, your desire to do what you want to do versus your God, to follow God's desire. See, that, that's, that's, that was the original fall. Satan wanted it for him. It was what he desired. He didn't want to follow God anymore. He wanted to operate independently of God. Adam and Eve, same thing ends up happening. So, and we're going to reference this verse uh, continually this morning. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. And it's important that we have that word daily uh, and follow me. Okay, so this is what I want you to see here. Jesus came to save you, but he also came to kill you. <laughs> you, you catching that in that? He came to save you, but one of the ways he saves you is that he needs to kill you. He needs to kill that pride. He needs to humiliate that flesh. He needs to make you quit trying to live independently of the Father. So one of the ways, and I, he saved us by him dying on the cross, but one of the things he wants us to do is to deny ourselves, our flesh, to crucify our flesh. So he came to save me, but he also came to kill me. Because as long as my flesh lives, it's going to operate uh, opposite of what God wants for my life. <coughs> now, let, let's go back. You need to, uh, again, it's where it says deny yourself. What does that, it's talking about? It, denying means that you're having a desire for something. To deny yourself something is something that you have a desire for. It's easy to deny yourself something if you don't have a desire for it, right? I hate peanut butter. I don't struggle with denying myself peanut butter. Honey buns now is a different story. Honey buns aren't good for me. They keep me warmer in winter because I'm insulated. But I desire that and to deny myself that. that. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about denying yourself that your flesh wants that isn't good for you. Okay? So, so let's look at original fall, how this happens. In Genesis 3, 6, and remember, God placed them in the garden in Genesis 2, and everything was pleasing to the eye and good for food. God made it that way. Okay? You, you see that. God created it. Uh, pleasing to the eye and good for food. That's how he created it. But watch what happens. Something else creeps in in verse 6, in Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, didn't God make it that way? Yeah. Pleasing to the eye, didn't God make it that way? But notice there's a third ingredient here. And also desirable. For gaining wisdom. You see, that desire came from her and not from God. How did it come? Satan came around and started t filling her head about you could be more like God, all this, and all of a sudden, a desire 
for something that God said not to do. She had a desire for it. And what needed to happen was she needed to crucify that desire that day. The Bible says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. When those thoughts and desires come in our life each day, we have to crucify them. That's why he says daily, because every day you're in a battle. Every day new things come up in your life. And you have to crucify that desire that day, or what's going to happen is it's going to get a hold in your life and it's going to spring up something you don't want to grow So it was desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took it and ate it. And then it says, she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Okay. So they they both sinned. They both needed to kill this thing. So uh, he he also, uh, I'm sorry. So she also gave some to her husband who was with her and, and they both ate it. Now, this is what I want you to understand. The word of God that created the world as he spoke everything into existence brought life and order to things. You hear me? God's word brings life and order. When she did not listen to God's word, when she followed her desire, okay, what did it bring? Death and destruction. So Satan's words bring death and chaos to your life. Well, sometimes when I follow those desires in my life, which I think is going to be good, you see, in the natural, it looks good. It's, it, it was pleasing for food, and it was great for gaining wisdom. In the natural, in this world, it seems like it would be a great thing, but that very desire is the very thing that's going to bring death and chaos in your life. We need to die to those things. It brings death God will bring life and order. You see, when you work outside of God's will, outside of God's word, death and chaos comes into your life. Then that is not the fullness that Christ has for your life, that you have to walk in. You, you end up being uh, falling for the uh, trick of the enemy, and you begin, again, working independently of God, Because it's my desire, it's what I want. And that's where Jesus is saying, you better kill that thing. You better kill yourself. You better humiliate yourself. Kill that flesh, kill that anger, kill that everything that's in there. Or you're going to end up having something spring up in your life that you don't want. Let's look at John 12. Now, how many of you know Jesus set the example for us in everything we do? When Jesus went in the desert to be tempted by the devil, you could say it was a spiritual attack, but it was really an attack on his flesh. He was setting the example of how to crucify your flesh, meaning quit trying to work independently of the Father and work with the Father. What was the very first thing Satan said? And in all three, he says, 
if you are the Son of God. And Jesus said, boy, i got to kill that pride because I am the Son of God. And I could call his angels around and come rescue me, but he says, I'm going to kill that. I'm not going to let it rage up inside of me. And then he says, you know, you've been, you haven't eaten in 40 days. How about you tell these stones to turn into bread? Right? See, he was coming after his flesh. I'd be, after 40 days of not eating, your, your body's desiring some food. But he knew what was going on, and he says, these hunger pains, I'm crucifying that right now. I'm crucifying all those things. Because my father sent me here to the desert to fast and to pray to prepare myself for ministry. And if I turn these things, if I call the angels down, if I get all upset about him thinking I'm the son of God and me wanting to say, you darn right I am. His pride's going to rise up in me and then I will be operating independently from the father. You see, Satan came to put to test the human side of Jesus. Where Jesus was setting the example for us how to live. Where he says, daily you must die to yourself. Daily you must die to the desires that you have to fulfill the Father. Father's plan for your life. In John chapter 12, verse 23 through 27, Jesus said this, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. He says, Very truly I tell you, now listen to this, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. See, unless it falls to the ground and dies, it cannot be resurrected into something better. It'll just remain that little seed. And as long as I, my flesh, my desires live, they can never be resurrected to walk in the fullness of God. Verse 25. Well, let me jump back a part. It says, if it, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will what? Lose it. Again, he's not talking about killing yourself physically. Okay, do not, the enemy may try and trick people into thinking that, into suicide and things. But why, Jesus wouldn't have said, uh, uh, crucify yourself daily, take up your cross daily if it was your physical body. Because if I kill myself today, I can't kill myself tomorrow. It would be a one-time thing. You see, he's talking about your mind, will, and emotions, the soul of man, how the enemy comes to attack, that we have to kill that flesh. Anyone who, who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. In other words, he's saying, when those who want to feed their flesh, live in the flesh, and all these things will lose their life eternally. But those who hate this life, who's willing to crucify their self and live for the will of the Father and not their own will and their own purpose, they shall have eternal life. 
Then he says, whoever serves me, this is Jesus speaking, whoever serves me must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be, uh, servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. He says, now listen to this. Jesus says, now my soul, mind, will, and emotions, your, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? In other words, he's saying, I know what's coming. And my soul is, 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 is troubled. It, it, this, this thing, I know I'm going to be nailed to a cross. And again, you need to understand that Jesus felt everything just like you would have felt it. Okay, because he was the son of God, it wasn't that he was nailed and he didn't feel a thing. He felt it just as much as you would if you were, would have had to go through that. He knew what, what he was about to face. And he says, now my soul is troubled, but what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? And then he goes on to say, no, I'm not going to pray, Father, save me from this hour. It was for this very reason that I came. You see, he was crucifying his flesh before he went on the cross. Because his flesh did not want to go again in the garden when he prayed, Father, if it's possible, take this from me. But if not, thy will be done. In other words, he's saying, I am crucifying my flesh even before I get on the cross. Because if I don't, the whole purpose you've put me here, Father, will be a wash. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. Don't miss the purpose God has placed you here on earth. It's about being a light to this dark world. Right? But crucify yourself daily. Again, the crucifixion was a public thing. Don't tell me your life, if you're a believer, your life better have changed. Now, it takes, you know, we go and we grow as, as a Christian, but if, if your life, if, if nobody in the world knows you have given your heart to the Lord, I'm not sure if you really did. Because it refers to being from dead to being alive. That's easy to distinguish if someone's dead or alive. It, could, it refers to being dark versus light. If I, everybody noticed if we turn off all the lights here, you're going to notice the lights went off. It's a big difference. There is a difference in, belie- in being a believer and it should be seen. It wasn't a private thing hidden out of the way. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says this. Paul saying, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? And he says this, by no means. By no means. We we, We are those who have died to sin, so how can we live in it any longer? In other words, he's saying your life should change. Okay? It's not because we don't participate in the things of the world that saves us. It's only uh, Jesus Christ that died on the cross. But he's saying that your life is a representative of your Father. To be more like Christ. And he's saying that that he's telling about this struggle that he does what he doesn't want to do. He he does and all these things go on. But you need to understand there's, there's that struggle in there. 
And he says, shall we go on sinning so grace may increase? You see, a watered-down version of the gospel is the gospel of grace. That's kind of going around this world today. It don't matter how you live because it's just the grace of God. Don't worry. Do whatever you want to do. You can't be perfect anyway. You can't earn salvation. It's all by God's grace. Well, what's wrong with that picture? In other words, live for yourself and not for your father. You see, that's a false gospel. The go there is the gospel of Christ, which contains mercy and grace as part of it. But it's not all just mercy and grace and do whatever you want. Or why, would, why did Jesus say, deny yourself daily, crucify yourself daily? Paul tells us, by no means should we go on sinning because as he says, you need to crucify yourself each and every day. The gospel of Christ contains mercy and grace. Why, why is there going to be a judgment day for the believers if it doesn't matter how you live? Why, why are we going to stand before God and give an account for everything we did and did not do in our life if it really doesn't matter? That you'll be rewarded in heaven, it says, for these things, if it just doesn't matter. You see, that gospel of grace, when you really get into it, is just live for yourself. Don't worry about it. Whatever desire you have, go ahead. God got you covered. But let's, let's look <coughs> Matthew 28, 19, and 20. This is part of the gospel of Christ where he's, he's telling the believers, this is what you're going to do. And I put the number one, two, and three. I use this scripture a lot, and that's another thing you need to highlight in your Bible, this verse. He said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And the first thing he said to do was go make disciples, believers, followers. Remember earlier, he says, if you want to be my disciple, you must deny yourself and follow me. All right, you must deny yourself daily and follow me. So the first thing to do is make it, you become a believer. And then the second thing he says is then you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, what is baptism? Water baptism, as we have class, uh, classes before that, explains a lot of the things. But is it, first it says you become a believer before you're baptized because only a believer should be baptized. Only those that are old enough to believe. And think everywhere in the Bible where it talks about water baptism, it always says they believed, then they were baptized. They believed, then they were baptized. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what is water baptism supposed to be? A public announcement of something that has happened in your heart. It's to show the world. Okay? It says in our baptism we were crucified with Christ and we were died, buried, and resurrected with Him. It's, a, it's so the world knows. Right? That's just like the cross. That take up your cross daily so the world sees it. Something that the world sees a difference in your life. 
But then notice, you see, a lot of people just want to hear the first two. But notice the third thing. Now, Jesus is still speaking and teaching them to, to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to always till the end of the age. Teaching them. In other words, they, they need to begin to learn and see these things because they don't know at first. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And so let's go back to Luke 9, 23. Whoever wants to be my disciple must de deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. So it, you, the, <laughs> that's that third part. You begin to follow yourself and crucify, follow Christ and crucify yourself. You know, everyone in their walk with God is at a different level in life. And we understand that. You know, it's, it's, you grow and mature. Okay, some people grow quicker than others, some don't. Same like a natural body, you know, some kids are a foot taller than the other kids their age. But spiritual maturity, there's people that have been saved for 40 years that are still spiritual infants that they haven't grown. And, you know, uh, speaking of, of uh, like the second thing where we said public back baptism is for the world to know of the commitment you made to Christ. And it's, we're not to be hidden. We're not to hide. And I was thinking about when I first got saved. I, I remember, you know, um, it took almost, I think it was several months, because well, I was working offshore and we'd fly out of Leeville. And one of the biggest steps in my life was to wear a Christian T-shirt to the heliport. Right now, that, it, you know, it sounds ridiculous, I'd wear it with no trouble right now. <laughs> and it, was the, the, it had a cross with Jesus and the, uh, the sins of the world placed upon his back. But it was a struggle for me that day. And I'm serious, a, a big struggle. Because I didn't want to be ridiculed and mocked because I knew how they treated Christians offshore and all these things. But guess what happened? That day I needed to decide, am I, am I willing to humiliate my pride? Am I willing to kill my flesh and wear that over there or I'm going to just... We're not going to worry about it. Again, it wasn't a big thing when we talk about it now. But those are the little things in our lives that we have to overcome. Those things that we have to crucify. See, I had to crucify Scott's pride that day to wear that. Because my flesh didn't want to be ridiculed. I didn't want to be teased. Come in the church here, uh, sitting in the back where around Sister Pam is. I used to sit around there at first. And came here for a while and wanted to raise my hands in worship but couldn't. I'd hold on to the pew and I thought, oh man, I want to raise my hand. But I was so, again, that flesh had to be crucified. I, I had to be humiliated. That flesh, humiliate that flesh. Christ needed to do that till I finally said, I don't care what people say. And well, it, it began this way. It, it, it didn't begin like this. It began with. <laughs> then it was almost like I was a Nazi. Hi, Hitler. <laughs> I was doing like that. 
and slowly. But now, listen, because that flesh has been crucified. It no longer controls me. You see, until I crucified it, it had control over me. While it was, if it's alive and breathing, it still has control over you. That's why you have to crucify it to be set free. And now, look, I'll raise, I hope I got deodorant on and I'm not sweating. But I don't care. I could raise my hands and worship God in total freedom, in the fullness. But I was in bondage back then trying to do that. God wants to work in your lives to let you know you need to begin to daily crucify these little things that are holding you back. Without a crucifixion, there can be no resurrection. And when I began to, again, let, let's go on. Romans 7, verse 21 and 23. Paul says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do, do good, evil is right there within me. Again, that, that flesh wants to keep on, that you wants to keep on, the devil wants to tempt you and all these things. You know, you know in those cartoons and shows where they have the devil on one side and the angel on the other? That's almost pretty accurate. You're caught in the middle and the thoughts from the enemy are coming in and the thought words of God is coming in. And reality is, just like those shows, most of the time people listen to the devil than the truth of God. Didn't Eve listen to the enemy instead of God? Didn't Adam listen to the enemy instead of God? For, verse 22, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another uh, law at work in me, war raging against the law of the mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work in me. And that's what he was just talking about. There's this battle. There's this battle going on, and that's why I need to crucify it daily. That's why I need to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, because every thought I have is not obedient to Christ. <coughs> and then I'm just going to begin reading these scriptures, and this is what we're going to be bringing to a close here in a couple of minutes. Ephesians 4, 21 through 32 says this. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard of your former way of life. What is the former way of life? The way you used to live before you came to know him. And he says this, to put off the old self. In other words, he's saying to crucify that old self so that you are not fulfilling and doing the things of that old person. Those desires anymore, he says, which are being corrupted by its, what? Deceitful desires. Deceitful desires. Pleasing to the eye, good for food, and desire for gaining wisdom. It was deceitful to her. It's, and it says to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the, what? New self. I can't put on the new self as long as the old self is alive. I can't walk in the new as long as the old is still hanging around. 
verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. Oh, let me go back to verse 24, I'm sorry. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Your new self is to walk in, in the, and to be developed as, a, as Christ, to follow his example that he set. Then it says this, Therefore, each of you should put off, must put off falsehood, and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And then he says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. And then verse 27, that's another one to mark in your Bible. Do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. He can't take a foothold from you, but you could give him access and give him authority to be in your, your get a foothold in your life, to place a chain in your life, to place a stronghold in your life, to place an addiction in your life. See, Eve had to actually reach out and grab the fruit. It was her, her choice. But what happened? She had a desire, and she didn't cru crucify her flesh. So it gave the devil a foothold into her life. And we know the rest of the story. The fall of man happened then. Don't give the devil a foothold. Those areas where you're, not, you're living in the flesh and not crucify him it is giving the devil a foothold. Let, let me just say this. If you're always being offended, you're always being hurt. There's people that walk around here that are in constant hurt. They, they feel, they, they, they go back and it's all, oh, I'm so offended, I'm so hurt, I'm all this. You know why? Because you, there's something inside of you you need to crucify. You want me to tell you the only thing that doesn't feel anything and have any emotions and don't care what you talk about is a corpse. Something that's dead doesn't care what happens. You see, Christ was criticized more than everybody. He didn't run in the corner and hide. Oh, 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 poor, oh, oh, poor me. Well, I'm so offended. You know why? Because he crucified that part of his flesh and he says, I'm not going to, I don't even have time for that. He says, I know what I'm here for. I'm here to fulfill the will of my Father. So if, if, if it messes with you, I'm crucifying that. I'm not going to let that rise. I, that hurt, that pain in my life, you know what? I'm crucifying it because if, was, was, if it was already crucified, it wouldn't hurt. You hear me? If it hurts, it means it's not crucified yet. You didn't kill it yet. And give no place to the devil means that you better do it again daily and daily because it's going to want to come back. It's like that cocoa grass. You all know the cocoa grass? You can spray it around up. You could pull it out. It would keeps coming back. It, it grows through the crack of the cement, everything. It don't matter. And that's how the devil works in our life. That's why we have to keep killing it daily because it keeps wanting to come back. We have to keep crucifying it. <coughs> let's go in here. What verse am I on? 27? Okay, let, let's go to verse 28. Anyone who has been... And notice how he starts bringing what you used to do to how you should now. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must uh, work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. 
Do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others uh, up in according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Now, that, that's an important thing. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know that God actually and His Spirit has feelings? It says, do not cause sadness or sorrow. Do not grieve God's Spirit. With whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. And then verse 31 says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, Anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice, all those things need to be crucified. Because those things will control your life. You'll never walk in the fullness of God as long as those things are alive in your life. You need to crucify those things. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And then verse... Uh, it goes into chapter 5. Follow God's example. Who was God's example to us? Christ. Follow his example, how he crucified his flesh before he went to the cross. It says, therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. See, this is New Testament talk. This is after the death and resurrection of Christ. It's still telling believers that you are still accountable for your actions. There's things you need to crucify in your life and get rid of so you can walk in the fullness of God and that, that it doesn't give place for the enemy to run chaotic in your life. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Verse 5, for, for, uh, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, um, impure, or greedy person, such, as a, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are, who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be, be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So what? Live as children of the light. Crucify, kill that old person, Live as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live. Be very careful. See, the gospel of grace says live however you want. But the gospel of Christ tells us be careful how you live. And listen, it's not about to... It's, 
is the total opposite of what the enemy has you think. The enemy has you think God's trying to, to limit you and, 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 and put strains and chains on you that you can't do anything. All God's trying to do is free you from the chains and the lies that the enemy has just told you about. So you can walk in the freedom. Verse 15 again. Be careful how you live then, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving God the Father, uh, for, always thanks God the Father for everything and the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So can I tell you, as we bring this to a close, every day I need to examine my life again and crucify those desires that God does not want in my life. I'll never walk in the fullness, happiness, and freedom in this life as long as I let the things of my flesh live. Those desires. Can I tell you, you may think you have the right to be angry with somebody. You may think you have the right because of what they've done to you to hold a grudge against them. But can I tell you the real truth is you're the one in prison, not them. Your life is suffering, not theirs. Crucify that and let it go and walk in the fullness that God has for you. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer. First of all, if you've never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, I want to give you that opportunity here this morning. So I just ask that if everyone in this place just say this simple prayer, inviting Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life and Savior of your life. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we admit that we fall short in many areas of our life. But we believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. I invite Christ into my heart to be Lord and Savior of my soul. In Jesus' name I pray. Now let's lift up your hands right now. Father, we just come to you. Father, I just pray that you'd begin to reveal to each and every one of us in this place today, all those watching online, at this moment or later, the things in our life that we need to crucify. Father God, those things in our life that we think are good for us, but in reality are the very thing bringing us down and holding us back from walking in the true fullness and life that Christ has for us. Father, make us aware of those things. Make us and give us strength, Father God to crucify those things, Father, that all anger, all hurt, all bitterness would be crucified this morning, that all pain would be crucified this morning, and that our release would come to each and every one that's here this morning, Father. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Just remember...
this Wednesday night, please come on out for our prayer. We'll have youth in the classes for the kids. But come on out. And my, Jesus said, my Father's house will be a house of prayer. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you.